it really didn't, it didn't hurt that bad, but I was like, okay, something don't feel right. So I look down and my toe, one of my toes is like 45 degree angle. I mean, <laughs> it is bad. It is completely in the other direction. And I Hey everybody, this is Josh McKinney, and I want to welcome you to episode 58 of the I Suck at Jiu-Jitsu show. What you just heard was the beginning of my guest today, Justin Huff, telling the story of when his toe got broken in half by yours truly, and unsafe training environments. Uh, so with Justin. Uh, you guys may have heard him on episode 50. You may know that uh, he was the first person that I gave a black belt to. Uh, technically, I'm not a two-stripe second-degree black belt, so I'm not able to give a black belt. Don't tell the IBGF. Uh, my coach, Kyle, technically was the one who gave it to him. Uh, almost kind of through me, Justin trains full-time at Headnod HQ and is actually one of the coaches at uh, Headnod HQ. And Justin and I have been friends since probably somewhere in like the 2010 area. Um, we've trained together since then and uh, have a ton of great jujitsu stories that we discuss. And what's very unique about Justin and I, we have very similar theories ideas on training and training method but what is unique is our techniques are totally different uh, especially in the gi uh, we talk about this our games could not be uh, farther apart our games could not be more different our training methods are exactly the same we train at the same gym we run classes the same way uh, you know we think about jiu-jitsu i think very similarly but it's very unique how you can use training method and create your own unique game. I think that's one of the cool things to take away from this. Besides just being a really fun episode, uh, Justin is such a fun, funny guy. You guys will really, really enjoy him. Uh, as always, it takes about five to 10 minutes and he warms up, gets into his groove and starts talking some good stuff about jujitsu. Uh, just also a side note, I did not realize, but my uh, microphone was not plugged in because I'm a rookie at podcasting. And so it was not plugged in. So I'm using my headphone mic and it takes me like 10 minutes to realize that. So if there's any like tapping or anything like that, it's because I didn't realize I had, I was using my headphone mic and not my regular mic. So it was bouncing off my face or whatever, but I get that fixed very early into the podcast. Um, that is pretty much the whole introduction of Justin Huff. As I said, he is a black belt. He got his black belt on February 22nd of this year on opening day of Head Not HQ. It was awesome. He cried like a baby. I try to mention that every time I can. I cried a little bit, but not like a baby, not like him. Uh, but it was a really cool moment. It was a really cool experience. This is how I did it, too. So this was, I thought this was great. So a lot of the people knew that he was getting his black belt. Uh, he had no idea, at least that he says. Nobody told him, he claims. But uh, a lot of the guys knew. And uh, so we were doing belt promotions. It's opening day. We just have our new place packed to the brim. And we had outgrown our gym a year prior. We should have 
moved earlier, but there was just no spot. And uh, we ended up getting the spot that we did. I've talked about it in earlier podcasts, but uh, I talk about, I do all the belt promotions and then they're done. And I'm like, okay, that's the end of the belt promotions. We're going to start rolling. And I could see it on people's faces that knew Justin was supposed to get his black belt. They could see, they were looking like, oh no, he's not going to get his black belt. Well, as it turns out, as we talk, um, I said something along the lines of, you know, it's awesome that we have a water fountain now. You know, we have multiple bathrooms. We have uh, twice, I think oh, actually three times as much mat space. We have this cool subfloor now so you can slam each other in. And I said, but the problem is all that is going to be overshadowed by the fact that Justin's getting his black belt today. And uh, it was just a really cool moment. It was a really cool, you know, I guess you'll, you'll never again have a first black belt promotion at your school through you first time you're promoting somebody to black belt and uh i am very glad very happy to say that justin was my first and uh you guys are really going to enjoy today's episode it's just a very light-hearted episode with a lot of good nuggets of jujitsu and that is all i have for you guys without further ado here is the episode Justin Huff, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. How you doing? I am doing excellent. So I wanted to have you on because, you know, we did the 15-minute segment on the perfect practitioner we did for episode 50, and you were on. You know, we talked about training in a 40-hour work week and how you can uh, still get to black belt and still be a good black belt, black belt. while having, while having a, full-time a full-time job. job. Well, uh, at the end of it, we kind of talked about me. I was just being nice. I really didn't want you to be on the podcast again, but I said, Hey, you should be on again and we should do a full episode. And I was like, crap. I'm going to talk back up to a backup to a backup. Exactly. I'm going to have to talk to Justin for the, for an hour now. And I'm like, I don't man. I, I, I honestly, I didn't sleep last night. It was stressful. I was like, what are we even going to talk about? Like, yeah. I don't even like the guy. So I just decided, I thought, you know, what's a good, what's a good intro question? What's a good question to start with for Justin? Okay. And so I, I kind of decided, and we, we touched on this on the last episode, but I still have to go with it. What is the Bears record going to be this season? Oof, oof. Um, honestly... And I, I'm just a realist, man. I'm a Bears fan, but I'm a realist at the same time. They will probably be 500. That's a realist? Yeah, yeah. I don't have a whole lot of trust in the whole system itself. If Trubisky is throwing passes, yeah, man, it's going to be ugly. It's going to be ugly. I'm is, a realist. Is, is Trubisky starting? There's talk. There's talk that he might be starting off the season, yeah. Oh, my gosh. So, we'll see what happens, man. <laughs> like I, I'm just along for the ride, dude. I've been a Bears fan since diapers, so I've been through all the pain. Okay, so I'm not one to claim racism, Justin. Okay, but your precious Bears, they passed up. They, they passed up on uh, Patrick Mahomes yeah. and um, 
uh, Deshaun Watson in the same draft. They, they decided to go against those two and pick Mitchell Trubisky. Mm-hmm. Then MVP Cam Newton is looking for a job and willing to sign for $2 million. And they trade for who, who Nick Foles? Yeah, yeah. So I'm not saying that that's racism, but I'm just saying There's it might be racism. There. Yeah, I just yeah, I'm just saying. Uh, if if the Bears were named the Redskins, I don't think they were changing their name. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. know, man. You might be onto something there. You might I be th- onto. Yeah, I, that's that's where I, that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. I tried to become a Bears fan for you two years ago too, when they were in the playoffs. Yeah. Or three, two years ago, and they're yeah. in the playoffs. Yeah, so two years, they're in the playoffs. The Rams had just moved out of St. Louis, so I'm football teamless and right. uh they they lost on a on a who, who would that guy have been that you're their field goal kicker oh cody parkey yeah cody oh, parkey dude. field goal and, and that and that's that's the thing you might be onto something here because how many times did cody parkey screw up during the actual season and he still kept his job trevisi has screwed up multiple times still has his job mm-hmm. and they're white dudes they're white dudes i think that i think we're on to something here uh, yeah, I don't know. I try to not make this a sports slash racism podcast, but that's just what's coming up, you know? So, <laughs> that's where it goes. So uh, just switching back to a little bit of jujitsu, how, uh, how have you been feeling lately coming back from, uh, you know, like not being able to train being, during the pandemic? Um. You know, it's 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 been a little bit of a struggle, like because for, first of all, conditioning. I mean, man, like you do a five minute round, dude, you're gassing out, and I feel like I was gonna puke multiple times. But um, then after that, I mean, it's just like timing of things. You know what I mean? You you see what you need to go for the 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 submission, the sweep, whatever, but your body's just not reacting to it, mm-hmm. and so um. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just getting better at that point, you know. I mean, just get your 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 timing right. I think that's the biggest struggle for me. Do you find that your cardio and your timing go hand in hand? Meaning, like, uh, because you're missing stuff, you muscle it more, and then it wears you out more. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do the same thing. Yeah, I I notice that uh, it, it, for whatever reason, I don't know if there's any um, reasoning at all behind this. But I notice that in the gi way more than I notice in no gi. Um, and maybe it's just because I am – maybe it's because I'm better in the gi and I know more stuff in the gi. I know what I should be going for. In no gi, I kind of uh, am a little more comfortable not knowing certain positions as deeply. And yeah. so I'm not feeling like I'm missing stuff that I am missing in no gi. But in the gi, I, I know, like, man, I should have hit that. I always hit that. And right. maybe I should just – put a little more cheese on it, you know, and go a little bit harder. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is like you muscle a little bit more, but then also too, like, you're kind of like, you know what, screw it. I'm going to pull, you know, close guard and we're going to hang out just a little bit here before I get my breath back and we'll go uh-huh. for something else. You know? Dude, that's, yeah, that is, uh, that's the battle. That's the battle is like, um, y- you want to, you know, we kind of we kind of discussed this on Monday. You and I did after class, and, and I'm sure we'll get into this. But you, the idea is you want to, uh, I guess, f- 
fight hard on things. You just, it just naturally, like you say, man, you know what, you know, what would make this move work better is if I squeezed harder on it or if I was more explosive on it and stuff like that. But you almost, in that sense, you get away from technique and you have to rely on physical attributes. Well, then like physical attributes are great. If I am at 190 and the guy I'm rolling with is 140, I'm a better athlete. I can run faster, jump higher. You know, relying on physical attributes is just fine. But then I go with uh, somebody like Matt Green, who's 225 and shredded. And uh, yeah, like could probably beat me in everything that involved in a decathlon. And, you know, like I'm not going to be able to beat him with any kind of physical attribute, you know? Right, right. So like, yeah, being able to have that, I think is super, uh, super important. Do you think, uh, that that's something that with a lot of people that you roll with is missing that people kind of understand that like not overusing their physical attributes? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you see that, especially with guys who have started, like they're learning that, you know, you can't just go a hundred percent the entire time. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not a complete sprint the whole time. I mean, you know, there's some guys you get done with them, you know, after one round, they're, they're breathing so hard. You know what I mean? You're trying to tell them like, you don't got to squeeze that hard. You don't got to muscle everything so hard. You know what I mean? But uh, it's, it's just all about that timing of stuff. So yeah, you just, you do, you do see that a lot. I'm guilty of that sometimes. You know what I mean? When I'm going with someone like you who is better than me, I'm like, all right, maybe if I try to muscle this position and the next thing you know, like, you know, you got me in side control and stuff. So yeah, it's, it's a constant battle. I mean, whether you're a white belt or even you're a black belt, you know, it's, that, that is really unique. I think in like maybe, and I don't know, I've never been at a high level of any other sport. I don't know if other sports deal with that, but that is one of the biggest things that I notice about like, um, about jujitsu is the best athlete is often like the most rewarded when it comes to competition. You know, like these guys that are just, um, you know, the hulks of the world, right? The, those guys, you know, they get the most reward all the way up until they fight a guy who is also a good athlete, but is really, really technically sound. Uh, to watch Hulk, uh, you know, not trying to like dog on him, but I think it's just the easiest example to watch how he can dominate in like every level of jujitsu and then watch him fight Gordon and yeah. Gordon kept Gordon's uh, intensity level that he always keeps, which is like, just enough, just enough intensity, just enough intensity and in how uh, it just sucked the life out of Hulk when they fought. And that's just like so unique. And so uh, if your mindset is physical attributes in that, then you're going to go, Oh man, we should be working our cardio harder in the gym. That's why I lost to him. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And so often though, it's just, it's hard to have good cardio. Like if I, if I come out and uh, for those of you, you guys, if, if you're watching, you probably can't tell this, but uh, I, what do you weigh? Huff? I'm like 165 right now. Yeah. Okay. So I have like 25 pounds on Huff. Still though, if I were to try to be the more physical person with Huff, he would Huff and he would puff and he <laughs> would not let me. He is monstrously strong. 
And so if I tried to be more physical, I would gas really hard. And then if that was my mindset, then I would go, oh, maybe I should, I, I'm gassing when I go with Huff, I should just be in better shape. And that's just not very conducive to being a really good technical athlete, you know, like in being really good uh, at jujitsu. And you kind of touched on it for a second. Um, and I think we probably talked about this the last time you were on, but you have more of a um, kind of like repetitive teaching role now at the gym where you're teaching every Tuesday night, you're teaching Nogi. What are some things that you have noticed uh, maybe that you didn't expect when it came to teaching or like some tips that you have that have made you a better teacher? Okay. Um, so I guess, you know, just going back to foundations of things, because what I teach is, you know, it's a beginner's nogi class. So I'm not going any, you know, over anything like super exotic, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just very simple um, things like, like this week uh, we went over a butterfly sweep. So it's very simple. Just getting that underhook. Um, getting that hook in to, to actually get the sweep and all that. So it's just little things like that. And it, I remind myself like, okay, I know I need to get my ear to their chest, you know what I mean? To get in nice and close. And so it makes me rethink it. Like, all right, dude, when you go, when you do it now, you need to make sure you're doing it as well. You know what I mean? It, it reminds you, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Um, so that's, that's been really good. And then also to help out with my teaching I try to keep things as simple as possible. Mm-hmm. I try not to get too caught up in the details of things because I mean, even just over a simple butterfly sweep, dude, I mean, you could teach that for like a straight hour, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Over every little intricate detail, but it's just really fine tuning to find those really important things that need to focus on. And then, uh, you know, if, if someone becomes really good at butterfly, then they can, you know, dive a little deeper into those details, but it's more or less of like giving, you know, maybe four, four details into a move. Do you know what I mean? So it doesn't complicate things too much for people. Mm-hmm. I mean, I totally agree that that's like with teaching, you can't, I, even if there are 12, 15, 20 details that I know, I cannot give you all of them because if I do, then you're going to say all 20 details are the same amount of importance. Right. But if there's like one detail that I've picked up that is like, man, this is the most important thing, that will be the only detail that I really mention. Right. Or if there's two, like those will be the only details that I mention. Because if not, you end up in that scenario where you're like, okay, so you're going to want to like hug his hip here and, and keep your elbow tight too as you're trying to, you know, move your hair in a centrifugal for- motion to where you can, you know, and like, you're just adding too much. And so then people try it and it doesn't work. Right. And you know, you're the dad at little league. That's like, you know, okay, throw the ball to first base and they do. And then you're like, okay, now what I want you to do is make sure your knee and your nose are pointing towards the person as you're throwing, you got to be stepping off the bag prepared to jump just in case they try to slide into second. You're like, dude, this is a lot of stuff right now. And It's true. Yeah. And like, not only like, I guess not only does it, you not learn stuff as well, but then since you don't have success in it, then you say, well, I suck at butterfly guard. I'm not going to play butterfly. And, And so it's like almost our job as coaches, a lot of times we don't really, you know, like we don't give you water. We just kind of point to you like, Hey, there's where the lake is. 
you guys have to go and get it. But that's like, that's all the help that we can get. Cause if we add too much, we're actually going to regress, right? Yeah. We're going to actually screw you up. Absolutely. I mean, that, that's the thing, man. Like, and like, not, this is going to sound kind of bad, but it's like wipeouts are almost like toddlers in a way, you know what I mean? Like you're kind of teaching them to walk, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. And like they're, they're moving their bodies in a way that they've never had to. Mm-hmm. So like going back to like butterfly, you know, teaching someone that, that just came in to sit on your butt, you know what I mean? That in itself, they're like, why would I sit on my butt to try to fight somebody? You know what I mean? <laughs> and then try to sweep someone over all that movement in conjunction. It's just like their minds are going crazy. So, you know, try to keep it as simple as possible is the best we can do. And that's true. And that is something, and I noticed this, and I'm sure you do too. Do you notice that, um, and I, I guess, I guess I'm going to ask it this way, but it's more to set up the follow-up, but you, you do notice that there are certain people that just understand movement better than others, right? Yeah. Like, do, do you see that um, okay. in teaching? What do you think that is? Um, you know, that, that's really actually hard to pinpoint because I, you know, I want to come out and say like, maybe it's people who have done other sports in the past, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? But like you yourself, like you'll even admit, like you never really, really played other sports besides jujitsu. You I know what I mean? You're right. Yeah, I, I did. So, and, what? Sorry, go no, no, uh, you, go uh, ahead, uh, Justin. Oh my gosh. You know what? Oh, my gosh is over. I'm, I'm, I'm out of here. <laughs> So, um, you know, that it's, it's kind of hard to pinpoint, but I think honestly, it's those people that know how to simplify it as much as possible. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's, it's not getting that anxiety of, I got to know all these moves at once. I got to put this and that together. But it's, I think it's those that really simplify it and take it step by step of like, okay, I put my foot here. I put my hand here. We go over this way, but I see sometimes that people get flustered and I think it might be a little bit of anxiety of, mm-hmm. Oh, I got I got to do all this at once and take them over. You know what I mean? So I think it's, it's slowing it down and it's a, it's a slower pace. Eventually, eventually as time goes on, you know what I mean? They'll put it all together more cohesively mm-hmm. to better at it. See, that makes sense to me. And that's something I've always been curious about though, is how come there are just people that, they just understand when you show them the first move, they're so quick to, to get it. Right. And, um, you see that like, and I don't say, I don't use the term athlete with it because there are times that I have had guys come in that are very, very good athletes that are, uh, CrossFit people. And they are like very, very athletic, very strong. And then they try to do a move in their their body mechanics just don't match up to the move. And like you are bright, you break it down to three really simple steps and they can't even get that. And you're like, Whoa, why, why did that happen? And then there are guys that just, even though they aren't the best built or whatever, they just naturally like, Oh, I just grab here and move them here. That's simple. You know, it's, it's very weird uh, to get that. I always, I, I think sometimes, I don't know if this is true. It's just a, like theory that I have on it that um, a, a lot of people have, they graduate high school, they get a job and they learn whatever they have to do in their job and their job never requires them to learn more. Okay. So their job, like they keep that one job forever. Right. And um, 
you kind of like, like learning is almost a muscle in itself, something that you have to keep doing. Cause, uh, I, I know for a fact, the better that I have gotten at learning jujitsu, I've actually gotten better at learning things in business and learning things outside of jujitsu. Uh, like when I started to learn to cook, I started to get, that was something I was naturally not like, it's not like I just snapped my fingers. I was good at cooking, but I was able to learn kind of using some of the same principles that I learned jujitsu with. And I almost wonder if a lot of times the people that are just natural, good at starting to train jujitsu, they are just, they're people that learn, you know, they're people that are involved in learning. Cause like when I think about the people, um, that come to mind, uh, Nick, the, the, uh, guy, uh, from his, uh, one of our newer white belts, he is somebody that like got our new crop of white belts. He's somebody yeah. that learns very quickly. Okay. And he, I think he listens to the podcast. He may listen to this episode and be like, Oh man, I wonder if they're talking about me, but, uh, he, um, runs a tree cutting service. And anytime you run your own business, if you want your business to be successful, you have to learn, right? Uh, and so that's like something you have to keep doing. And so like, he would be somebody that learns really quickly, learned and did as soon as he started training, right? First class, you were like, wait, is this really your first class? You learned, you picked up everything so quickly. Mm -hmm. Uh, or like a lot of times it's your younger guys that are still, maybe they just graduated college or something, or like they're still in that mode where they're always learning and always absorbing. And so jujitsu is just something new. That's just a theory. I don't know if that's true or not. I mean, it, yeah, it, it makes it makes sense. It makes sense. And then the other thing I've thought about too is that, you know, you take a stud athlete, okay, who's been awesome at whatever sport or multiple sports almost their entire lives, right? They then come into jiu-jitsu and they're getting wrecked, mm -hmm. right? They're, things aren't clicking like they want it to. They get frustrated, right? So even just teaching them something – as simple as like a scissor sweep, they're, they're flustered. You know what I mean? They're like, I'm supposed to be good at this. I'm I've, I was, uh, I was amazing in college football. Why am I not good at this? You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And they frustrate and they, they immediately think that coming into class, they're going to be, you know, John wick. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, and I think that those who maybe didn't really play a whole lot of sports, right. They come in with almost like a very fresh perspective of wanting to learn and if they don't get something right, they're like, oh, okay, I'll just keep working at it. That's okay. You know what I mean? That, so maybe there's something to that as well. That's super interesting. I've never thought of it in those terms. You've kind of said it twice. Is like, it is um, a lot of like your ability to learn, especially in the beginning, is your mindset towards, you know, towards jujitsu, right? If you, you know, if you come in and you say, okay, I'm just going to do whatever the coach tells me and, I'm just going to try my best. You, you probably going to see a lot more success than like coming in with maybe even a little more of a, I expect myself to be good at this. And then you, you get pretty much immediate disappointment because you're not good at it. You know, right, right. do you, you know, just while we're on still on this same, uh, it, on the same topic, you know, we kind of talked about like what you found works really well to help teach people and just like keeping things simple. Was that what you expected or did you expect it to be different? Um, yeah, I, you know, honestly, I, in the very beginning, I did expect it to be a little bit different. Um, 
And it was a little, it was naive on my part because I think being an upper belt, I'm like, okay, well, this is pretty simple. I'll teach them this. When I come to find out, it's really not that simple. You know what I mean? I know when I first started teaching those Tuesday classes, what I was trying to do is I would teach them a takedown. And then from the takedown, I would teach them a pass into maybe a submission. That's way too much. You know what I'm <laughs> uh -huh. I mean, I found that they, their eyes were, you know, buggy eyed when I was teaching them a takedown and they were like, wait, what? Go back to that. So I needed to basically take a step back and take it very step by step of, to simplify it. So yeah, mm -hmm. I was pretty, I was pretty naive there in the beginning of, of making it too complicated. Um, and that that helped me even personally with my own rolling. You know what I mean? I, I you 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 try to mix in all these moves when really you just only need a couple. You know, <laughs> you don't need a ton. So uh -huh. yeah, it definitely that definitely helped out. Yeah, man. I think that's super. Um, that's always super important. And this is like this is for the purple belts listening that want to be jujitsu coaches or even blue belts that want to be jujitsu coaches and they have this thought of oh i'm going to show my guys this or i'm going to do this and they're going to be so good and so that's like when i first started um was teaching like i never really taught i taught like a few uh classes before but when i you know when i started head not hq i never really taught and so like it was me you my dad and then a bunch of like brand new day one white belts and um and logan logan was one of the also like first day kind of there forever right and with that obviously if we were training we were still getting good rounds but i was having a lot of trouble with the brand new guys getting them to just understand anything because they would roll with each other and if two people don't know what's going on and they roll with each other there's almost not a lot of benefit that comes out of it um, you almost need somebody a little better at first giving you stuff and, and letting you feel what jujitsu is like. And, uh, man, that, I remember that like being just a huge surprise of like, man, I really don't know how to teach jujitsu. Like I don't, I'm very good at jujitsu, but I don't know how to teach it. And yeah. man, that was, that was really, really a, uh, uh, an eye opening thing. And I remember for the first six months, it was so hard. And then a bunch of people were like, Hey, there's this tournament and we want to compete at it. And I was so stressed because like we're driving to the tournament and I have this thought of these guys only know the stuff that I have shown them in the last six months. Like I, some of these guys still can't tie their belts and they're about to go compete. Dude, that was so stressful. <laughs> I, was, I, I, I get it, man. I get it. That's, yeah, <laughs> I in it, 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 it just in looking at that, like in looking back, that was uh, that was really tough to to kind of understand. And I think it I think it's something probably that most people that start to teach jujitsu um, they get eventually is like, wow, people aren't as good as I expect them to be in jujitsu. Absolutely, absolutely. Do you um, it, it, just kind of looking back even farther? Um, do you remember what it was like when you first started? Do you feel like you were somebody that grasped things really quickly or did you, you know, what was there, um, were you one of the people, uh, you know, the morons that we would. 
Um, I was I was a mixture, so I was a little bit of a moron on on stuff. So, I would say there's there's things that I gravitated towards. Um, you know, for instance, like half guard. For whatever reason, things with half guard always just came natural. You know, what I mean, doing that coyote guard and getting that underhook, that came very natural to me. Butterfly did not. You know, what I mean, when I remember uh, first, you know, Kyle teaching us butterfly. I was constantly getting passed with it. I didn't fully understand it. So there are certain things that I really enjoyed. Um, you know, that, like I said, the half guard, um, when it came to doing like a, a, you know, some over under passing or stack passing that came naturally. But if, you know, trying to do a knee slice, you know what I mean? I do a knee slice and next thing I know, it's like, Oh, I don't have the underhook crap. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it was just certain things that, it just didn't make quite you know too much sense, but I would constantly try to go back to it. So I wouldn't neglect it. And I think that sometimes what people will do is like, oh, if I'm not good at it, I'm just not going to use it at all. But no, I mean, you, you have to go back and, and try to address it because at some point you're going to want to use it. You're going to want to know, you know? You know, and it's, it's funny in that sense. The everything that you named, stuff that I never play. The contrast of you and my game is pretty ridiculous. If you really think about it, if you think about that, you're playing uh, seated guard, half guard, double underpassing, stack passing. You're you're starting to get more into Toriado, which is like one of the only things that we both do. Yeah, yeah. And then you look at me, who plays like a lot of sleeve grip type guards and uh plays like all standing knee cut toriando passing like nothing smash nothing underneath uh it's very odd when you let's just say it man your game's a lot more sexier than mine oh my gosh i mean i thought that it went without saying but uh yeah i mean my game is definitely more attractive for sure Yeah. yeah uh but like it's it's kind of it's kind of like this though if my game was a deodorant, it would be like Axe body spray. But if Huff's game was a deodorant, it would be brute, you know? So, you know, like he's more sophisticated when it comes to jujitsu than I am, right? Like mine's like, yeah, what's everybody playing? Yeah, that's what I play, right? You know, like, but in that, it's, it's funny to think about because – when did you and I, when we were training in my garage, what, were you a blue belt at that time? Yes. Yeah. And how long do you think you had been a blue belt when we first started? Uh, probably two years. Yeah. yeah. Probably two years. And, yeah. and so the situation was this. We, um, uh, my, my coach was originally in Illinois. We're like right on the Illinois-Missouri border. And uh, he left the gym that he was teaching at. He was not the owner of it. Um, our coach, we were both under Kyle at the time. We both still are under Kyle, but uh, he left. And when he did, uh, he moved, he went onto the Missouri side. He went into St. Louis. It's a bigger city. He got a space right next to um, St. Louis university, which is really, really good move for him business wise. But it was very hard for people on the Illinois side to get to his practices in time after they got off work. Uh, Cause you would run into traffic. And so for us, it was just uh, it was just kind of out of convenience 
we had a garage and we had some mats. And so we put mats in the garage and um, they were, they were one, one of the, some of the mats were one inch thick and the others were two inch thick. And we'll get into what, how that can cause problems in a second. But uh, you know, it's just like, we were still going over. I think we would go over on Saturdays to Kyle's, but uh, really from then on out, we were kind of more on our own learning on our own. Uh, it was a really unique situation, but I think what's cool about it is that we play totally opposite games. And so it shows that we really were teaching ourselves to some extent, right? Like we were really, yeah, yeah like you were practicing what you were learning in an instructional or watching uh, in a match, you know, or just like what we could problem solve and figure out. But like, that was a really, it was a really cool uh, and unique time. There was six, eight of us probably that would train and then maybe four that were super consistent that were there every night and we just trained together. It was a really fun uh, time. I love where we're at now where um, we're both black belts and we're better than everybody. And, you know, we get to just smash people and, you know, like, you know, we have a big group to train with and stuff. I love that. But it was just a really cool, unique experience like almost being in the lab trying to learn how to learn jujitsu on your own. Yeah. Uh, I mean, cause I think what we used to say is that, you know, me being a blue belt, you were a, a purple belt at the time. you you know, your dad was a purple belt at the time. Um, you know, remember we had Galen that would come there every once in a while. He was a purple mm-hmm. belt. So um, we had Viv, you know, Josh Vivian, mm-hmm. he come and stuff. He was a blue belt at the time. So it's like, I think the idea was that, yeah, we, we don't have a black belt, but with our minds together, thinking and brainstorming, experimenting, we basically made up a black belt, you know what I'm Mm -hmm. saying together. And so, yeah, it was really good just experimenting and see if, you know, what worked and what didn't. And we trained crazy hard, you know, like probably, probably, I mean, and you could definitely see that that mindset has carried over into head nod now. Um, Probably most people that would come into the gym would say, wow, you guys, you guys do a lot of rounds. You guys train, a lot of live jujitsu and um, you know, and that probably is where we came up with that, you know, like we would just, I mean, we wouldn't really do much technique. We would come in and roll for an hour every night, you know, yeah, yeah. we, we would, we would go hard, we would kill each other. And it wasn't until after, you know, we were done rolling, then it'd be like, Hey man, why did, how did you smash me from this position? You know I mean? Let's uh-huh. address that. It wasn't really so much of let's do technique and let's roll. It was, let's kill and we'll figure it out later. You know, we'll we'll address that later. And, and uh, so while we had kind of brought it up, we're talking about the jujitsu garage, the original place that we were training, but there were some, there were some small problems with the garage. One, it didn't have heating and air. Okay. So we live in the Midwest. So in the summer it was, in that room, it was over 100 because it had a black roof. There was uh, a very small window and then a, a door. There wasn't a garage door um, that, had been, that had been closed off years before. Um, so we had, like, no airflow. It was really hot. So we would put on some fans. But then in the winter, the big problem was when it would get cold, the mats would shrink. And so that two inch and one inch mat being pressed together, we didn't have tape on it at the time, but after the story I'm about to ask you to tell, we decided that we should add tape to the mats. But from your perspective, 
what do you remember about uh, the time you and I were rolling and you got injured because of the unsafe uh, jujitsu environment that we had? We had. So yeah, you and I we were going at it, and I basically my my foot fell in between that you know that crack there, and it really didn't it didn't hurt that bad, but I was like, okay, something don't feel right. So I look down. And my toe, one of my toes is like 45 degree angle. I mean, <laughs> it is bad. It is completely in the other direction. And I remember you looking at it, your dad looking at it, and you guys like, what the heck? And just jumping back. So instinct, because I'm, look, I'm not the smartest person. Okay? Um, instinct was, you know what? Grab that sucker and pop it back in. So I grabbed it, popped it back in. And then you're like, maybe you should take a little rest round. I'm like, no, dude, let's keep going. <laughs> so that, and like this toe, man. And that, that toe hurt me for a long time. It really did. I always had to tape it up, but yeah, I mean, that thing was crooked. That was, Oh bad. yeah. I can still in my mind, I can literally still see your toe and you say you grabbed it. It was more of like a punch to your mm-hmm. own foot, like, rah! and then you like walked around. You're like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. I think I'm fine. I think I could go. I think we can still keep rolling. You know, there's two minutes left in the round. And I was like, I was like, I don't think so, man. I think you should sit out. And you're like, no, no, no. I think I'm good. I think it's all good. (laughs) But uh, yeah, you, uh, you were able to perform a really quick surgery on yourself, man. And uh, yeah, that was, I had to maybe, I guess we would have been at the old gym. Um, those mats were super soft. And so we did get some bad toe injuries there. Now, the only problem is, you know, we have some really nice Fuji tatami style mats. The only problem is the tatami just sands your skin down. It is so rough, but nobody gets broken toes because of it or anything. But at the old gym, the mats were super soft and then it would get hot. They would get even softer because they were Mm -hmm. wrestling mats. And one day Carl's pinky toe, it was face in the wrong way and he says hey josh can you help me and i go oh yeah dude i got you and i did the old one two and then pulled before i said three and man it popped right back into place but right before it i go hey i just want you to know i'm not a licensed medical professional (laughs) i just i can't stress this enough you know you signed a waiver i don't know if it covers this um me you getting more injured because I performed surgery on you, but I was like, I'll take the risk, man. And right. uh, yeah, I pulled that sucker right back into place. I, it was fine. He's alive. You got to finish practice, man. You, you got to keep practice. training. <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean, that's, and that's the thing. Like now, yeah, we just did that, that mat burn. And for whatever reason, I don't know if my, if I just got like baby skin on my feet or what, but dude, my, my feet just get beat up more than anyone else's seems like. And so I have like these little, little scab marks. And like people who maybe like I come across are like, dude, like what's, what's wrong with your feet? Cause I'm wearing like <laughs> flip flops and I'm like, dude, cigarette burns, dude. Like, <laughs> me and my wife, like we're just into crazy stuff. <laughs> I get that. I get that, man. That's a, I joke with people a lot about it. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a really like, I, I wonder if we're ever going to get used to it. It's been, um, I mean, we've had the, facility for almost six months but with three of the months we weren't in the facility right um i feel like 
whether my skin is getting tougher or my body is just getting used to not letting um, my toe graze across the mat really quick and stuff like that, I feel like I'm not getting as bad of mat burn. Yeah. But yeah, last, last Thursday I taught, and I've been wearing spats for Nogi because your knees just get eaten up so bad. Uh, and so I teach last Thursday, and I just didn't – I think it was just hot um, two Thursdays ago. Because we still hadn't got the new air conditioners in. So it was a million degrees. And I was like, man, I'm like, I'm just going to not do spats. I don't, because I teach the kids' class right before and the classes butt up against each other. So what I'm wearing under my gi is what I wear. So I'll usually wear rash guard shorts under my gi. And I was like, I don't want to have spats, shorts, and gi pants on while I'm teaching this class. And it's 90 degrees in here. So I just was like, I'll be fine. I'm used to it. Man, my knees were, they had holes in them. They were just burnt up. That was, uh, yeah, that was, that was a huge mistake. That was, that was a really big mistake. I mean, dude, I'm telling you what, I don't care how tough you are. I don't care how tough you are. <laughs> when you take a shower, you got those burns. Oh, yeah. Waterworks, man. I just don't shower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you can do that as well. Yeah. Yeah, if I just get mat burn, I just let it dry, man. It's a great way with this COVID stuff for social distancing. I mean, no one's going to get six feet to you if you're, you know, smell like crap. That is, that is very much, yeah. yeah, that's very much the truth. Speaking of that, are you at work right now? Uh, sort of. Like, yeah, technically that's, I wasn't yeah. sure, I wasn't sure, you know, if we were, you know, if we were on the clock, if we were working together or not. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm kind of in, but. I'm not busy, man. <laughs> nice, yeah. nice. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and that is, I, I kind of wanted to talk about this too, because there was one point, you know, out of from blue belt for you to black belt now that we weren't training together it, it, very often. And that would have been, uh, I think it was before you got this job. Wasn't this job what kind of brought you back to the promised land, brought you back to training at Headnon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause I was, um, I worked at Boeing there for a little bit, and uh, dude, it's just like that kind of like that corporate environment, just crazy. Um, so yeah, I I got out of that, got into higher education as an academic advisor now, and uh, I train over in Edwardsville, which is you know close by the gym. So it's it was super convenient, super convenient. Do you like the? Do you like what you're doing now? Yeah. Yeah. Big time. Big time. I mean, I really, I, I really pride myself on, on helping kids get back on track. You know what I mean? I've got some really good students that know what they're doing. Um, other students, what I do is I help them pick out classes, um, help them try to avoid academic probation. If they are on probation, I try to get them out of it. You know what I mean? Try to work with the professors if there's issues going on. Um, but yeah, dude, it's, it's a really rewarding job. That's cool, man. So you, um, as, as a black belt now, uh, I think it's really, it's really interesting because you can, there's like this disconnect in jujitsu a lot, especially in like mid the Midwest, I think maybe places like New York and California that have more black belts. Um, and it's very common. I mean, you think about here in, in within two hours, you're maybe one of 10, you know what I mean? There's not really a lot of black belts that, uh, around the area that we train. And, um, you know, we've talked about this before, um, but I just kind of wanted to dig into this. Um, 
but do you plan on starting your own school? Um, I've thought about that. I have, I have thought about that. Um, I think almost anyone who becomes a black belt, you know, they, they, they think about that that goes through their head. Cause I mean, the dream would be just to train jujitsu full time. Right. And, and to mm-hmm. run your own school and stuff like that. Um, you know, I, I have thought about it, but the only thing is, is that with me working full time, um, you know, having other responsibilities and stuff, it would be tough. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I guess it's something that I'd have to think about a little more. I'd have to bounce ideas off of you, maybe mm-hmm. a little bit on the stuff, but it's something to think about. I mean, and too, it's the idea of where, where that gym would even go. You know yeah. what I'm saying? We got, uh, you know, obviously you're over in pontoon Granite city. We got Kyle in St. Louis, uh, junior over in, uh, St. Charles in my neck of the woods. Um, so yeah, it would just be location and kind of see exactly what the steps would be. But I mean, it would be cool, man. It, yeah. it would be cool. I, I do thoroughly love, uh, teaching on Tuesdays. So making that like a full-time thing and, and getting, uh, you know, watching students grow from, not even know how to tie their white belts to landing barren bolos and stuff like that. I mean, that just sounds awesome thinking about it, you know, dude, that, and that's like, I think that's my favorite thing about teaching. Um, because at this point had the gym for like four and a half years, I think. Mm-hmm. And seeing some of the guys that came in day one, uh, Dylan Dalton, perfect example, right? Uh, he is, um, uh, he, his nickname at his gym that he trained at before was squishy. Okay. So that to let you know of what his body type, what he used to be physically, you know, that is, that was his body type. Right. And, uh, just was not really a natural, just somebody that came in, trains really hard, always shows up and, um, has gotten better and better and better. And seeing how good of a purple belt he is now is like, it's crazy to think about like, man, remember when I just used to beat you to death? Like I miss that. You know, I miss yeah. yeah, I miss that. So now in order to beat him to death, I have to like time my rounds and let Huff go with him first. And then like now, now I'll get him. It Don't. does, man. It's, it is, it is crazy, but it's, it's so cool to see because you're right. I mean, we got multiple of those guys where they, they were white belts and like, literally it was like okay what am i going to sweep them with i can just maybe pick from a b and c i think i'll choose c and i'll hit them with it mm-hmm. now it's not that way i can't no. i can't just say like okay i'm gonna get dalton you know dylan in a uh a, a triangle choke right now you know what i mean mm-hmm. you know that's, that's gonna be my goal i'm gonna give him a triangle choke and that's it and i'll just keep doing it no i have to figure out of what i'm gonna go for you know what i mean i have mm-hmm. to figure out because he's he's tough he's very tough yeah, and it's 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 just like such a cool, uh, unique thing to go from where it used to be you, me, and my almost sixty-year-old dad training, and now it's like you, me, my almost sixty-year-old dad, and a hundred and fifty really tough grapplers. You know what I mean? A hundred—it's like tough, tough people. And well, I mean, uh, I've told you before, like I know that, like at least for me, that. The, the timing is limited of how long I can keep whooping on them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But I'm going to hang on to that as much as possible. I'm going to keep beating them up because there is going to come a day and it's probably coming soon. Where <laughs> they're just wrecking me. 
So I got to give them as much beating as possible before, you know, I'm an older guy and they're just killing me. So uh, this is, this is funny. So none of, um, none of the guys besides you and Hubner have ever submitted me. Okay. None of the guys at our gym. All right. So uh, it was, it's always like if anyone ever is close on something, everybody stops and watches. So I was going with Justin Kitchler, who um, I've told the story about before on the show where uh, he was with a guy was making fun of him saying he looked like McLovin and uh, Justin choked him unconscious. And uh, great story. You had to be there. It was hilarious. Well, uh, the situation is this. Justin still looks like McLovin. Um, he hasn't, you know, he has a little facial hair. So if McLovin had facial hair, um, but Justin is a very tough brown belt. And Justin tried a, on last Thursday, he went for a head and arm guillotine on me. And I came up because I always feel like I can defend the guillotine really well. I don't really worry about it too much. Well, when I came up, he trapped my free arm in a triangle. And so I was like, okay, I mean, I just, I just released the triangle escape plan. Nobody's triangling me. Well, then it started to get really tight. And I was like, oh no, I'm going to die here. This is the end. This is it. And we, I was in a triangle for like a minute 45. And the last like 15 seconds, I could recognize that like finally his legs are tired. But had I have not gained so much weight during quarantine, I think I might have. I think that might have been the end for me. I think that the streak might have ended right there. And uh, he texted me the next day. He just said, "My legs are so sore." And I was like, "Yeah, my neck's really sore, buddy." So I, I think it kind of evens out. Yeah, yeah. So uh, just as we get to the end, I wanted to ask about this. And this is this may not translate to other people. This might just be a personal note between you and I. But in thinking back, I always like to on the show like mention if I know somebody well, when I met them, what my first impression on them was, things like that. But I could not, for the life of me, think about when we first met. I knew when we kind of became friends but I couldn't think of like when we legitimately first met. Could you, can you think of that when you would say we first met? Well, I remember when I joined the hit squad that you were kind of like this, I don't know, like this crazy little kid that everyone <laughs> would talk about. Whereas like, okay, you go with this Josh McKinney, like he's very good. You know what I mean? They'd call you the marble at the time. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like the marble. And what I'm a like, stupid nickname. <laughs> like, they call him the marble. And like, with all due respect, like you were, you were, you were shorter than I was at that point. Uh huh. You were a little chubby, right? Bowl cut. You had a bowl cut. Had, you had a bowl cut <laughs> and everyone's saying, this is the marble and he's really good. And I'm like, this kid, this kid's really good. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, I'm, I think I was 20 at the time. I've been training jiu for about a year. No, man, like this, he doesn't look like he could out-muscle me or anything like <laughs> And I remember Justin Kitchler was telling me like, yeah, man, he's, he's really good. You know, he's, he's going to go a long way. I'm like, all right, fine. So I think I, it might've been like a first or second practice. I'm like, I'm going to go with this kid, see what it's about. 
and I'm pretty sure you wrecked me. If yeah. I remember, you wrecked me. And I was just blown away because my thinking was like, okay, this kid, he's a kid for one thing. And he doesn't look terribly athletic. I mean, at least you didn't then. And I still just, don't look terribly athletic. Come on. <laughs> and so, yeah, it was, it was a humbling experience. I'm like, you know what? I got to get to know this kid. I got to get to know him. Whatever he's doing, he's doing it right. <laughs> so for me, I was thinking back to like, I just thinking back, like what, if I was telling a story, what would be the first story that would come to mind of you and I being together with something? And, um, honestly, the, the thing that I really thought about was when you competed, I think I had a super fight. I think I was a purple belt then. Um, I had a super fight in Cape Girardeau and literally the only reason that I accepted it, my wife, uh, before she was my wife, like before we got engaged, um, in however long we were together, I don't know, like five years, six years, I think she watched me compete two times. One was like when we first started dating and it was just because we had first started dating and she wanted to come see jujitsu. Obviously it was a jujitsu tournament. She was around smelly guys for 18 hours. It sucked. And, uh, but then the second time the, the sale that I got on her, I said, okay, I want to go to this Cape Girardeau tournament because we're going to go to Lambert's Cafe afterwards, right? Because it's, it's near there. And you competed and you just, I think, did you win and win one and lose one at that tournament? Do you remember? I think so. Yeah. I think I got second at that tournament. Yeah. yeah. And so like, and we were buddies, but we weren't like super close or anything, but you win one, lose one. And afterwards like you you get done and I was like shoot we got to take this guy to Lambert's with us this guy I mean he he earned it and so we went to Lambert's and I watched you eat like more food than <laughs> I've ever seen anybody in my life eat and like uh for people that don't know what Lambert's is uh it is I don't think I guess it's technically not a chain I think there's only like five or six of them around the country but uh it is the home of the throne roll. So they have these um, really, really good yeast rolls that they make that are super light and they come and put uh, uh, molasses on them if you want. And uh, Justin ate like 10 of them. They're huge. And then what's really unique about them is like the whole goal is that you're leaving full. Everything's very good. All the sides are free and they just come around in buckets just giving you as much potatoes as you want, like throughout the whole time. It's not like once you get your food, they give you sides. It's like you can just be eating these sides the whole time. Well, the unique thing is uh, Justin got a half of a chicken. And then they, when you're done, they say, hey, are you still hungry? Do you want any more? And they will just give you more. So like for his half chicken, they just gave him another half of a chicken. And he ate a whole chicken on top of just un, uh, insane amounts of sides and I've never seen anything like it. And I was like, you know what? I like this guy. We need to be good. We need to be friends. And uh, it was like, he, he, he ate his way to my respect. <laughs> I appreciate that, man. Yeah. It's dude. I, that's how I am. And like, it's bad. Like I don't eat up until the point I'm full. I eat until the point like my taste buds are just tired of, of tasting. <laughs> like, it's just, it's all about the taste buds. It's not about the stomach. Yeah, I, I really think that was one of the most – because I've seen you eat a lot of food since then. 
Um, you know, and I come to expect it a lot, but I think that was one of the most uh, amounts of food I've ever seen you eat, uh, or anyone for that matter. That was, that was, uh, it was almost an experience that changed my life and how I look at life, you know, watching you eat. I inspired you. I, yeah. Yeah. And uh, you should see me at Tacanos, man. We should go together sometime. Like, Tacanos, for people that don't know, it's a, it's a Brazilian restaurant where they come and they, they cut off the meat in front of you and you just basically have this little, uh, I don't know, like this little thing where you, you put up on top of green, they just keep serving you. If you uh -huh. want to stop, you can flip it to red. I have that sucker on green the whole time and they just keep coming. And literally when I go with people, they have their plate empty in front of them with their, their silverware on top of it. <laughs> They're just watching me max out with just grease just falling down my beard. Have you, have you had Texas Day Brazil? No, I haven't. That's no. where we need to go. Okay. So, uh, look, I love Tecanos. Tecanos is one of my favorite places on earth. But Texas Day Brazil, a little more expensive, but it is one of the only – I think it's like $43 a person. Maybe it's 47 I don't know. Uh, but let's say it's $47. There's, it's the only time that I've spent $50 on a meal and – without drinks or anything like that, just food, and said that was absolutely worth what I just spent. Because a lot of times you go to places, you go to these really nice steakhouses, they have like an $80, $90 steak, and you get it, and you're like, man, this isn't, this definitely isn't $82 better than a steak that I could have made at home. You know what I mean? Yeah. That is one place that 100%, without a doubt, it is worth every penny. Uh, yeah. If not, if they charge more, I would, I would do it. So that's where we should go. And we'll, we'll do, we'll make a YouTube video, just filming how much you eat. Just, <laughs> just keeping it coming. We'll have to speed it up. So the video is not three hours long, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll keep it coming. Okay. So uh, we're to the end of our hour. We got to finish the way that we finish this show. So the question, the idea is this. I am at a Justin Huff seminar. I am a, uh, let's say I'm a white belt. And I raise my hand during question and answer. And I say, Justin, how do I suck less at jujitsu? First thing that comes to my mind, man, is, is ego. That's, that's, that's the biggest detriment, I think, with jujitsu. When, when people quit, it's because a lot of times it's ego. You know what I mean? Um, there, there are so many times where from white belt all the way up to black belt, and I still, I still deal with it sometimes, where you get your butt handed to you, right? And you just question yourself, I'm not good enough. You know what I mean? I'm not good enough for this, and I should just quit. This, is, this isn't my thing. And honestly, God, that's, that's not true. That's not true. I mean, I'm nothing – special in the sense i'm not a gordon ryan i'm not you know what i mean i'm not even a josh i'm not josh mckinney you know what i'm nobody saying nobody is but I, yeah. <laughs> i'm just your average black belt that just never quit and that can literally be for everybody it really can as long as you drop the ego um and try to push it aside i mean it is a constant mental battle with that so i really do think if you drop the ego and have and really do have fun with it then and uh not compare yourself to other people you're gonna go far you will go very far in this if and that is if you want to 
But like I said, you got to drop that ego. Man, I think that's super important. And I especially think it's cool uh, coming from you and explaining that like that's something that you struggled with because that's something a lot of people struggle with is they're driving home from the gym and they're like, man, I lost to guys that I'm supposed to be better than. And a lot of times that's like, that's a really discouraging one is like, man, I'm a, I'm a purple belt and I lost to a white belt tonight. You know, like I, I should just quit jujitsu. What I'm doing is useless, but man, just, just saying like, I don't care. You know, like that is, um, Somebody that I really, really always commend for that attitude, we've already brought him up, is Justin Kitchler. If you ever watch him, um, you know, he's a brown belt now, uh, and he had a, like a hiatus for like maybe three or four years. I don't know exactly what it was. Maybe it was less than that. But he had a hiatus from jiu-jitsu, and he came back, and then he was losing to guys that before he would have probably crushed and couldn't have cared less and was just like, man, these guys are, these white belts, these blue belts are so good. You know, and like was happy about it. And like that, just going in with that attitude, uh, eventually you're going to get good. You know, like not, not everybody learns at the same speed. You know, not everybody is as gifted, but like if you're consistent, you'll be good at jujitsu. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I'm even uh, reading this book now. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it's yeah the subtle art of not giving a shit basically it's it's basically about that it's basically about that don't take things too seriously don't mm-hmm. take it too seriously have fun in life this is too short you know what mm-hmm. i'm saying enjoy the art really enjoy the art that is that is that's really good i i absolutely love that all right justin that is the time that we have Thank you for being on the show, man. Is there anything you want to say to finish? No, just thank you, man. Thank you to, to you, your dad, um, Kyle, all that stuff. I mean, literally, I would not be where I am today if it wasn't for you guys. Um, you guys have been there for me a lot. You guys really have. And, uh, yeah, I, I really do appreciate it. Justin, while you were saying your, your – like while you were going out there, I, I had a thought. And it was something that I forgot to mention on this episode. So I'm going to be honest with you. I think you're going to have to come back again sometime because (laughs) we didn't even dig into your tattoo at all. (laughs) And uh, honestly, it's very discouraging. That was, that was, that was a, was a bad call. You know, Justin has one of the coolest tattoos in the history of the world. It is his nickname. It's actually been weird for me to call him Justin for this interview. But uh, you guys, we're going to leave that as a cliffhanger. They get to hear about the tattoo later. Yeah. You know, if, you, so, if you want to be part of my pack, you have to see the, uh, the upcoming podcast. You got to see the one after. Yeah. yeah always, <laughs> always with the cliffhanger. Thanks for being on, Justin. Appreciate it, man. In that is the episode. I know you guys will have enjoyed this episode because uh, Justin's a very likable guy, just a very nice, decent human being that is rough as could be when he does jujitsu and will beat you to death. Uh, But uh, just one of those guys that is the, I think, the pinnacle of what jujitsu is about. You look at him and he has, ever since I've known him, he's either been in school full time or he has uh, been working full time 
And, uh, you know, there's never really been a, a wall of that where he got to train more jujitsu or something like that. He has always been working and, and, uh, uh, or in school or both. And so it's very unique that there is this black belt that I get to interview that is very knowledgeable, very good at jujitsu, but it is not his full-time job. He still has a regular full-time job, but is able to teach and train and, uh, progress in jujitsu and just be very good at jujitsu and uh, that's something that's I think really cool and it almost kind of closes um, a bit of a disconnect that uh, maybe we can have on this podcast right Uh, I think this the unique thing about this podcast there are very few podcasts that are dedicated to learning jujitsu if any um, that are dedicated to learning jujitsu better and faster and that are taught to you guys by a black belt uh, I think that that is um, unique, but the difference is for me, jujitsu is my full-time job. It's not yours, most likely. And uh, so, getting somebody like Justin on, who is very good at jujitsu, and also it isn't his full-time job. It's it's just his hobby. It's just this thing that he loves, and he still progresses at. And he doesn't have the same amount of time to dedicate as a full-time uh, jujitsuer but he still progresses and he's still a very, very good black belt. And so uh, I feel like that that might help close a disconnect, help show certain people that, you know, somebody that has those doubts too, they pushed through and they got their black belt and they're very good at jujitsu. And so that was, uh, uh, that was just like my final note on today's episode with Justin. Now, Uh, Before we get going, two things. Uh, I wanted to just mention that we are going to do another run. I was going to only do it for a few days, but I'm going to try it for the whole month of August. We're going to do another run of our Simplifying Jiu-Jitsu ebook. Okay, so this is absolutely free. It is this ebook I wrote. It's probably in like, I think it's like 30 pages. Uh, The idea of the ebook was this. Everybody wants books, videos, DVDs, uh, everything, uh, YouTube videos on uh, on jujitsu technique, which I think can be good. I think um, jujitsu technique is obviously incredibly important to learning jujitsu, but the method in which you train is also very important. And so that is what Simplifying Jujitsu, the ebook, was written uh, about, written with that idea, not about the idea of techniques, um, but the idea of training method. And so we kind of broke down the biggest training method that I do when running the classes at my gym. Uh, we have what's called the five essential positions of jujitsu, and we break down what those are, how often we train them, why we train them in the specific order that we do. And uh, it's just a really, really simple, easy read. And I think you guys will enjoy it. And most importantly, it's free. So that is at simplifyingjujitsu.com. If you go to the homepage, you will see a thing that says free ebook. You just press it and it's yours. And you can, uh, you don't have a free ebook. There's no, you don't have to enter your credit card. You don't have to do anything like that. Uh, but you're able to receive this free ebook with no worries, no problems at all. And uh, I wanted to finish today's episode with another listener mail. We did that last time. Uh, Maybe we will continue on it depending on if people like listener mail or not. Uh, But uh, this would be 
our next one. So, hey, Josh, I just finished your last two podcasts on does your coach suck and does your gym suck? And I just wanted to say thank you. You really put my mind at ease. I recently switched gyms due to my coach moving out of town and I wasn't sure if I was the right place for me. The points you brought up made me really think and believe I am at the right place. Just wanted to say thanks, man. Love the podcast. So that was a really, really cool uh, message to get because those type of episodes, if you guys haven't listened to the last two episodes, uh, did kind of a a two-parter on, you know, is your coach really... Uh, good for you? Is that the person uh, that you should be training under? And is your gym really good for you? And what do you do if it's not? And uh, the hope was that people would kind of be able to look at that checklist, ask those questions, and be able to confirm that they're in the right spot. But uh, there are also people that maybe their coach did move and they have a new coach now, but it's at the same gym or something along those lines. And they feel like if they're leaving the gym, uh, they're a bad person. So that was just why I wanted to do those episodes. And it was really cool. I got only positive response from those episodes. Uh, you know, maybe it's because the traditionalists that would be upset about me, uh, telling you if you don't enjoy your gym to leave, they probably stopped listening to the show a long time ago because, I always say very anti-traditional things. I tend to say very anti-traditional things when it is just for the sake of tradition and that there is and there is no uh, like positive coming out of it. But that's just a different note uh, about that. And that is all I have for you guys today. I hope that you guys enjoyed today's interview. I hope that you guys have a great week, that you stay healthy, and I hope that you suck just a little bit less at Jiu Jitsu.